would be great to keep your Bibles or Bible apps open to Romans chapter 5, as this week we are in our last week of the Incarnation series, as we look at the wonder of Jesus coming to us. But first, let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. We pray this morning that your spirit would be at work in our hearts, softening them, and that you would open our eyes to see the wonder of the gift given to us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, as family gather together or friends catch up, one of the most difficult decisions can be which movie are we going to watch? Quickly, you might work out that some people decide by gut feel or others by what looks good. I generally tend to take the role of the family research assistant. I wanna know all the options. What's on, what has the best reviews, what is it about? Critic reviews might give you some clues, but really the best way to get a sense of what a movie is about or the sense of style is to watch the trailer. In a trailer, you get to see who the main characters are, what's their backstory, and where is gonna be the point of tension. And Romans chapter five is like a movie trailer. We meet the key characters, Adam and Jesus. We're transported to their backstory, their origin story. And we see that the problems that they face aren't just personal, but we create a problem for the whole world. In this story, we don't just sit back and watch what unfolds. We are part of it. Adam's problem is our problem. Jesus' solution, well, it can be ours too. Two people in focus and two ways on offer. The old Adam, the way of death, and the new Adam, the way of life, and an invitation to choose life. So first, let's see where this story begins, starting with Adam and the way of death. So would you look with me from verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. We begin at the one moment in time where sin and death entered the world. Sin and death wasn't a part of original creation, but came through one man, Adam. From the beginning, the Bible claims that humanity is not essentially good, but is corrupted and infected by sin. The Bible claims that evil and the worst things in our world are not just external to us, but are deeply ingrained in us. 
For it was through one man, Adam, that sin entered the world, infecting and spreading through all humanity, through all history. In Genesis chapter 3, the image is of Adam, and of course Eve, standing there in a perfect world, and yet doubting the goodness of God's provision and promises. Adam wanted control to be equal with God, so rebelled against God, against his command, and was removed from God's presence. Now, we don't stand in a perfect garden, but that same desire for independence, for control, for power over our own lives runs through us too. Adam represents all of us, and his beginning is our beginning. But you might be thinking, hang on, why should one person's action affect everyone? I wasn't even there. Is this like a playground fight where even though he hits you, you both get punished? Adam is the first man. He is the representative of humanity. But he's also the pattern in which we are moulded after, like a mould which determines the shape of a pot. We are fashioned in the same way and imprinted with the same desires. The action of Adam, the disobedience and rebellion, reflects our own actions. Where Adam's one act opens the floodgates for sin and death to come into the world, we follow the same pattern of Adam, repeating sin and rebellion. And we're told clearly that the consequence of this sin is death. Sin and death are a pair, coming into the world together, one after the other. We might sometimes struggle to exactly identify where sin is in the world, but death is far more obvious, even if we'd like to ignore it. We might feel uneasy about the harsh reality of death, saying that someone has just passed away or that death is nothing at all. But the death of friends or family members or even people we read about on the news, all that can jolt us awake to the sting and reality of death. And it only takes a moment of reflection to know that death is what awaits us too. It doesn't matter what your beliefs are or what your bank account statement is like or how nice you are, death comes to all. And in a side remark here, verses 13 to 14 point out that sin and death were in the world even before the law was given to Moses. Therefore, the situation being described here is not just a problem for Israel that was created when they received the law, but that sin and death has always been an issue for everyone. Death comes to all, for all have sinned. This pattern is first established by Adam, whose sin leads to judgment, condemnation and death. And we experience that same pattern. This is universal. There are no exceptions. No time in history where this hasn't been true. 
we see that in verse 14, that from the time of Adam, death reigned. Following after Adam is every culture, every people group, nation and language. And over all, death reigns like a king. It has a grip on our world and on our lives. And sometimes we can feel that more acutely when hurt or betrayed by others or just standing in shock at how things have turned out so wrong. At other times, we might be distracted, enticed by the view that everything is fine. Surely it's not that bad. Life might be going pretty smoothly with only minor inconveniences. You might even point to a baby. Look at how innocent and good they are. But even a few moments with a toddler will show you that just like us, they are perfectly able to fight, scream, kick and lie for what they want. If sin and death is the path for everyone, what can we do about it? We could try to ignore the situation and carry on, but sin and death will still reign. We could try to take control and use our best efforts to overcome sin. But to my knowledge, no one has yet been able to do that and evade death. Or we could retreat from the world, limiting our exposure to the pain of sin and death. But if we restrict our interaction with others, we also risk limiting our joy and our love. So what hope do we possibly have? How can the cycle of sin and death be broken when that is the pattern we are made after? Just as there was one Adam who brought sin and death, there is a new Adam. He isn't just another ordinary person, but opens up new possibilities. Through the old Adam came death, but through the new Adam comes life. So if you look with me from verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? At one point in time, one man opened up the way of death. And now, at another point in history, one man, Jesus Christ, opens up the way of life. God becoming a human, the author and source of life entering into our world to live, to die, and to rise again. The gift to us is Jesus, his whole human life. 
His incarnation is the decisive moment where a new way is opened up for humanity. God did not just one day change his mind about us, about our rejection and destruction of his world, but sends us his son, a vulnerable baby, to live a life of obedience, experiencing the brokenness of our world, to die as a criminal for us and for our sin, to conquer death and usher in new creation. God's solution to the infection of sin and death in the world is not to give up, not to start again, or not just issue a new set of rules, but to send us Jesus. For the mess that Adam began and we continue, we need another person to step in. As Michael Bird helpfully summarises, the grace of God can only come to humanity through a real human being. Only a new Adam can undo the condemnation of the first Adam. The gospel is incomplete if it only speaks of God's attitude to humanity without detailing it that it was through a human being and for human beings that salvation is wrought. As both fully God and fully human, no one else is qualified to truly step into our situation and fulfill where the first Adam failed. The consequence of the entrance of Jesus, his life, death and resurrection, is that a way of life breaks into where death reigns. Where Adam was disobedient, Jesus is obedient. Where Adam brings judgment and condemnation, Jesus brings justification. And where Adam brings death, Jesus brings life. Jesus doesn't merely mirror Adam like a counter-move in chess, but in every way surpasses Adam. Here we don't have two equal and opposite forces in play, like the ancient idea of yin and yang, but the superabounding life and grace of Jesus that comprehensively defeats and destroys the reign of death. The gift is not like the trespass in the scale of its consequence and the magnitude of its effect. Jesus' life and entrance into the world affects every person. In Adam, one act results in many trespasses, resulting in death for all. In a choose-your-own-adventure, if you don't like how the story is going, you can just start again. But because of Adam, no matter what decisions we make or what adventures we choose, the ending is always the same. But even after we have made bad decisions, Jesus offers a different ending. And this different ending is available to anyone, no matter what adventure you've chosen. Following many trespasses, the one act of Jesus results in life for all. And the magnitude of Jesus' act is like coming to some dry bushland that is ablaze with fire. Adam lit the first match, and each person has thrown in their matches too. 
And yet into this furnace, Jesus quenches the fire and the scorched land springs back to life. This result, this way of life, offered by the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, is completely unmerited. And that is really what grace means. If we look at verse 15 to 17, Paul repeats grace and gift eight times. And grace means we don't contribute to Jesus undoing the way of death. In the ancient world, gifts would be carefully calibrated based on the nature of the relationship, the power differential, and the influence that could be gained. And yet, we have nothing to offer God, nothing to give the creator of the world, and yet we are given his lavish and abundant gift of Jesus. His gift is not because of our actions or our influence, but because of his grace. The result of Jesus' life is that a way of life is made open to all, from verse 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Jesus' birth What we celebrate on Christmas Day marks the day when a new way for humanity is opened. Where because of the life of Jesus, justification and life is open for all people. This way is not just an automatic redirect. It's not universalism where our response isn't necessary. But Jesus' life is given for us to receive. And we are invited to choose the way of life. And that is the final point. So we have a look back at verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Before every person lies two options. To continue along the path set by Adam, which leads to death, or receive God's gift, following Jesus, who brings life. Now, there might be a few reasons why we or the people that we love ignore God's gift. We might think we're too good or too bad. If you think you're pretty good and life is fine, why would you need to look elsewhere? Why depend on someone who lived 2,000 years ago? But if we are not essentially good, then we do need someone to step in. Even with a near-perfect life, death will still come. And if our beginning started with Adam, 
then there will be spaces in our lives and in us where sin seeps in, corrodes and destroys. Our life choices can't keep sin and death away. On the other hand, you might think that the weight of your life, your actions, your history, are just too much for Jesus to bear. But the gift is not like the trespass. Jesus' death has once for all dealt with the weight of every person's sin. There is nothing we need to add, nothing we need to supplement. Jesus, as God, the author of life, has the power to redeem, renew and justify us. And the amazing news is that this has been done. All that remains is for us to receive God's gift of Jesus. At the announcement of Jesus' birth, we are reminded of all that he will accomplish in his life for the world. Now, baby announcement posts don't tend to include all the child's future career achievements, but Mary, Zechariah, Anna, Elizabeth and Simeon all pointed to the salvation which will be brought to the world by Jesus. On the night he was born, even the angels proclaimed, Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. At Christmas, we enjoy giving and receiving gifts. Some things we need, some things are nice to have. But the gift of Jesus, the gift of his life, all that he would generously pour out on the cross and in conquering death offer life to us, that is the gift we desperately need. The way of life made possible in and through Jesus is on offer. It's free and always available. It can't be corrupted, doesn't wear out, and surpasses all our needs. So this Christmas, see the life that is offered in Jesus. Receive him, welcome him into your life, and continue to delight in him, the greatest gift of all. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, thank you for your gift to us, your son, Jesus. Thank you for coming to us when we were powerless to do anything about our sin. By the power of your spirit, please help us to grow in our understanding and delight at the lavish nature of your grace. As we celebrate the birth of Jesus this Christmas, please help us to see your grand salvation plan bursting into the world. Each day, please help us to grow in awe and wonder at all you have done for us in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.